This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, we had a good time this morning. I, I really feel that uh, we got uh, had a really good good uh, I don't know interaction uh, in our in our message on the fear of the Lord, and I believe a lot of people came up to the altar. I couldn't tell because my back was turned to you, but it seemed like a lot of people came up to the altar. I hope they did. And uh, and I believe that God's doing a work amongst many of us on returning to the fear of the Lord and, and having that reverence and that respect for Him. And so tonight, uh, the title of our message is Stay Focused. Stay Focused. And for your viewing pleasure, I've got a beautiful autumn scene behind us, so... I try to capture the best of both worlds, you know, the mountains and the trees. So anyway, that's, that's my present to you going into this beautiful week. Um, but anyway, the title is Stay Focused. And, you know, there's just, I've noticed, you know, myself included, that we seem to have very short attention spans in this generation. Anybody else catching on to that? It's like we've got a generational ADD situation going on where it's not just one. You know, it's not, I mean, there's millions of us and, and it's hard to focus on anything for, I mean, sometimes someone's listening to you or you're, someone's talking to you and about 10 seconds in, your mind just wanders elsewhere. And that's, that's one issue. That's not good. That needs dealt with. But on the bigger picture, there's a lot of things in our faith and in our Christianity and in our call of God where we commit to something and then, you know, whatever, we, we lose focus or we're believing God for something. And, and Lord, my faith is on this. I'm believing that you're going to come through on this. And then if it doesn't happen by the next day, you forget all about that. and You just move on to something else. And that's not healthy. We need Christians. We need mature believers that know how to stay focused on what on what they're facing right then. You need to stay focused with your faith and your prayer. And you need to stay focused on the call of God. And you need to stay focused on what it is the Lord is doing in your life. And so tonight we're going to look at a few brief things on how we can stay focused. Because it can be a dangerous thing when you're, you know, you grow up, man, and you've got, you know, parents, grandma and grandpa, you've got other people looking up to you. You've got other people that you're responsible for. And now all of a sudden, I mean, it's, it's a lot more serious than when you couldn't stay focused and you were 15. You've got to stay focused on what's going on. So let's get into this here and, uh, and, and get into our first point. But the first thing we're going to say is this. Number one is that how do you stay focused? You need to watch out for distractions. Watch out for, come on, distractions. What was that movie, the cartoon movie a few years ago where they get the dog to talk and then every few seconds he sees a squirrel and he's like, squirrel. You remember that? I, was that up? I don't remember what the movie that was. But, but anyway, you know, they, they finally, you could hear what the dog was thinking and saying and it could be talking to you. But it, as soon as there was a minor distraction, it lost all focus. And that's how most people I know are. I mean, that they could be they could be zoned in and and, and oh yes, I'm believing for this and and tuned in. And then all of a sudden, squirrel. I mean, their attention just their everything. It just anything can come by and distract them from what it was that that they were focusing on. And so let's look at Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs chapter four, and I believe that we got some good things that we need to hear tonight. And hey, I say I'm guilty, man. I, you can, uh, you know, don't ask my wife, but I can be easily distracted sometimes. I, 
I can lose focus every now and then. And I believe that we're all guilty of it, though. But Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to look here at verse 25. And keep in mind, we're talking about Solomon here that, that's, that's writing this to us. Solomon, the wisest man of all time. We talked about that a little bit this morning. But this is Solomon giving some wise advice to you. Because it's no fun to never really accomplish anything in life, is it? It's no fun to ever finish the task, to finish your current assignment, because then you can't successfully move on to the next one if you don't finish what God told you to do where you're at. So Proverbs 4, verse 25, it tells us, Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Look straight ahead. And I mean, have you ever noticed that even when you're driving, if you start to look at something on the side of the road, you start to, your, your, your whole body goes the direction of where your focus is. It's dangerous. You know, I worked for AAA for a little bit back several years ago when I was a youth pastor, and they had this video they played for us about roadside safety, and it told us how distracting it is, you know, for a tow truck driver on the side of the road, their lights are on, and tow truck drivers, believe it or not, they get hit a lot. It's a very dangerous job, because people see flashing lights, and they're like, lights, oh my goodness, what is it? And they, they just go and hit people, because they, they don't stay focused on what's ahead. And their their whole direction, their whole vehicle, their whole momentum goes the direction of where their focus is. And especially in our day and age, I know people have probably said that for hundreds of years, but I believe that where we live now, it's really hard to focus because you've got 24-7 uh, people have access to you. People can text you, call you, they can get on, you know, message you. There's 20, we're surrounded non-stop with distractions. And it's, I don't think it's a good thing. I mean, I really don't. And there's, I appreciate some of the modern conveniences, but I think that I would be okay being Charles Ingalls. Me and Lawrence could go back to the little house on the prairie. You know, I could boot that thing into the pond. And I'm telling you, man, I think I could handle that. But, but we've got to look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. You know, back when they used to use horses and mules and oxen and stuff to plow the fields. Now, growing up in the farm country, you know, we, we see these massive tractors and plows plowing the fields all the time. And my brothers, they're professionals. They're really good at plowing very straight fields, hundreds of acres of just these perfect rows uh, that, they've, that they've plowed up. And they've got, in fact, I mean, the modern farm equipment is so ridiculous. I mean, this has got GPS systems and computers. I mean, it's really, really advanced. And so they work hard, but they've got it a lot better than probably back in, back in the day. So back in the day, they would use mules and, and horse to, to plow the fields. But horses, they're just like us. They get really easily distracted. He may be, you know, plowing along, getting your row together. Then he sees a butterfly, and he starts going that way. And the next thing you know, the, the whole field's going this way, and you've lost a whole acre of, of something you could plant. And that, that'll, that'll break you. You want to make use of every possible uh, resource that you have. And so you've probably seen it. Farmers, they would put blinders. They called it blinders on the horses. They'd put a little mask on them to where they could only see in front of them. They didn't get distracted by outside things. And so they just looked straight ahead all day long. And the fields would be perfectly 
plowed lines. And then you would make use of all the resource that you had there. And so some of us, we need to learn how to put some blinders on in our life. How do you put a blinder? Maybe you should turn some of your stuff off for five minutes. Maybe you should just pull the plug and, and walk away for a minute. What, but how could you, I'll let you answer that for yourself. How could you put the blinders on in your life for a little bit and just stay focused and ignore all the junk that's coming around you all day long? But it would be good if we could just look straight ahead and fix our eyes on what lies before us. You know, I've even heard about, again, we talked about airplane pilots a little bit last week, but I've heard that even an airplane pilot not paying attention or whatever, if he even gets 1%, one degree off focus, even 1% off course, I mean, that may not sound like very big, but over the course of, you're flying several states away, hundreds of miles, thousands of miles, one degree can land you in a whole other area way, way off course from where the intended goal was. And that's how critical it is to the Christian life, that God does have a promised land. God does have something for you, but one degree off. It may not seem like a big deal now, but over the course of time, you keep going that direction. Over the course of time, God called you there. You're going to end up way over here. Well, how did I get here? What happened? And you look who to blame, but it was you. You got, you just, you stayed off course, even that one degree. And so, throughout the course of a flight, pilots are making adjustments and corrections all the time. And I think that we need to take a lesson from that. That we need to constantly, as a Christian, be making little corrections every day. You know what? I, I, sh- I shouldn't, I need to tighten that up. I need to, I need to work on that. We need to constantly be making corrections in our own life because I can't afford to get me and an entire family of four kids and a wife off course and end up, you know, in Jamaica when I was shooting for New York. That's not gonna, that's not gonna work out. And I'm sure it's lovely there, but I'm saying wherever God calls you to, you need to end up there. Because if you don't end up there where God called you, you failed. And I don't want to fail. I don't want, I don't want to get to heaven and, and, and say, God say, well, I mean, you're here, but I called you to, I called you to do this with your life. Why didn't you do it? Well, I'm, you know, I, I don't know, but I was really good at this. That's good that you were good at that, but I called you to this. And so we need to keep our eyes focused straight Ahead, And, uh, you know, a, a verse that you should write down is Song of Solomon 2.15. Song of Solomon 2.15, it says that the little foxes spoil the vine. Well, what does that mean? Because I don't have a vine and I don't, surely don't see any foxes around here. But let me tell you, the little foxes spoil the vine. That means that it's the little things that can come in and wreck the garden of your life, the vine, the, the, the garden, your home. It can be the little Things that come in and completely spoil the vine, the garden that God has called your life to be. And so we need to keep we need to keep focus on these little things. It may seem like, well, you know, I watch this, but I don't I don't I myself don't talk like that. Well, you need to watch it. That little fox is going to get up in your house and he's going to spoil your vine. Well, I, I hang out with these guys, but I mean, I'm not like that. And, and I know none of them are godly people, but hey, it, it, you better watch that little fox because he'll come in and rub off on you and it's going to do some damage in your life. You need to be careful. You need to be cautious about your life and treat it very, very uh, delicately. Because as we say nearly every service, Proverbs 4.23 says what? 
Guard your heart above all else, for it affects everything you do. It determines the course of your life. Out of it flow the issues of life. Come on, guys. Proverbs 4.23. we got to know that one. But you got to guard your heart. Guard your heart. And so let's look here at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. It's so quiet in here tonight that I dropped the anointing oil in the pulpit and it was, it was loud. I said, let's go to Luke chapter 10. Uh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. <laughs> Someone's excited for the word. <laughs> Luke chapter 10. Hey, we're just trying to help ourselves here. Luke chapter 10. And here's a story of Jesus with Mary and Martha, two sisters. And they were good ladies, good gals. They loved the Lord. They were, they were disciples of Jesus. They followed him. They, they, they obeyed him. They submitted to him. But look at Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look here at verses 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And check this story out. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Sounds like a good thing to do. But Martha was distracted. Say distracted. She was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. And then she Z-snapped Jesus. Bad, 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 bad. No, I'm kidding. But look at this story, man. What's up with this? Jesus is in your house. And, and, and here, here, this, of course you want to feed him. Of course you want to put out a good meal. Of course you want to be, leave a great impression. But here she is, and she's saying, this isn't fair. She's sitting there listening to you preach, and, and she's sitting there listening, worshiping you, and I'm doing all the work. So do you think Jesus said, you know what, Martha, you're right. Shame, Mary. Shame, shame, shame. Shame on you, Mary, you bad little girl. No, he didn't say that. Look at this. So, so Jesus, he starts talking to her. Verse 41. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. And some of us, we trip our whole lives over the details. I'm not saying it's good, but I'm not a detail-oriented person. I'm not saying it's good. But at the same time, sometimes we can get so tripped up over details that we miss out on Jesus being right there in our home. So verse 42, Jesus says, There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So Jesus said, you know what? I appreciate it, but she's discovered the most important thing here. I'm not going to make her stop, so I'm sorry. And let's break it down. Because sometimes we're distracted by things that aren't necessarily sin. It's not a bad thing. It's just not the most important thing at the time. And if Jesus is in your house, cleaning the dishes is not the most important thing at the time, is it? I mean, the most important thing is getting all you can from the master that's, that's sitting right there. And so here we are. Martha's doing, she's serving, she's preparing. What she's doing is not wrong. 
It's not wrong. It's, it's fine. It's actually a good thing. But it's not the most important thing. And us as Christians, we need to distinguish between good things and the most important thing. Right? Because sometimes, you know, we get caught up in all these things. These Jesus himself said these details. And that's, that's fine. And it's a, there's a lot of good, good things. But when you're faced with a lot of good, good things, you need to learn how to differentiate and prioritize. This is good. I need to do this. But Jesus is sitting in my living room right now. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I, the dishes are going to have to wait. Uh, and, and, and that's why I take it so important that even in the morning times, you know, I've talked to you about how I spend time with the Lord. I mean, there may be a lot of things that need done. But Jesus gets first crack. Jesus is more important than all of it. And in your life, you may have a lot of things that, that need done. And yes, you got to get to them. you got to get them done. But Jesus is always number one. Jesus said she she discovered the most important. I'm not going to take it away from her. I'm not going to tell her to quit. And so for us, maybe you could examine your life a bit further and see, well, there's probably some good things I'm doing. But what's the most important thing that I could be focusing on right now? Because Jesus was not one little bit upset at Mary for spending that time. And so she chose the necessary thing, the most important thing. And in our life, we have options We've got options every day. We've got more options than we've ever had. There are so many options, it's confusing. But you've got to be a mature enough person, a strong enough Christian, a grown-up, to decide what's the most. what does the Lord need from me today. This may not be a good example, but in the great, obviously we could all agree on one thing. The greatest movie of all time is Dumb and Dumber. I know we can agree on that. We have to. We can all agree on that. You can't get people to agree on much, but we can agree on that. Thank you. And so I have the fear of the Lord now, as I spoke of this morning. And so fortunately for me, you have to get your own, but I got a nerd brother. You could get, you got to get your own. My nerd brother edited the entire movie for me. So there's no, I've got a copy of Dumb and Dumber with no curse words, no bad scenes at all, don't I? That was my Christmas present last year. So I get to watch it. But in, in this movie, they're down to their last few dollars. And Lloyd's talking to Harry, and he says, listen, go to the store, just get the essentials. This is our last couple of dollars. So it flashes to the next scene, and he's walking down the sidewalk with a box of pinwheels and a giant cowboy hat and some potato chips. Like, that was the most important thing to him. And I mean, you know, they could have used food, they could have used, but a giant cowboy hat and pinwheels and potato chips, his focus was so terrible that he did not pick the most important thing. And I feel like that's how a lot of us live our lives. Like, listen, you take care of this. This, this is what you've got. I'm, I'm giving you this for now. And then we go, you know, we go walking down the street with a giant cowboy hat, a box of pinwheels, and a bag of potato chips. Those are nice things. There's nothing wrong with a giant cowboy hat. I, I want one, actually. But there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the most important thing. And it's cute and it's funny but after a while, it starts to not get so funny when you've got somebody that's supposed to be a mature Christian, somebody that should know better, and they're still consistently making the wrong choice. They're still consistently not picking what the most important thing is. And so if we're going to stay focused, number one, we are going to have to look out for distractions. And number two, you don't quit when things get hard. You don't quit when things get hard. 
And you know, one of my favorite quotes that I've, you know, throughout my life that I've looked to is tough times don't last, but tough people do. Tough times, whatever you're, what you're facing right now, you got to realize that it's, it's temporary at best. The things that we face in this world, it's always temporary stuff. Because you're going to get through it if you, you know, if you use your faith, of course, it's going to speed the process up tremendously. But nothing else, man, I'm going to heaven someday. So everything in this world is temporary. Tough times do not last. But tough people, tough Christians, they do. And I know a lot of people that they'll quit at the first sign of trouble. Come on, you know somebody like that? They, I mean, the, the going gets tough. And the weak, they get, they get out of there. They, they, they get going. They, they run off. They go the opposite direction. They run from it. And so I do know people that they quit at the first sign of trouble, but they're committed to something as long as it's easy. Yeah, I'll do that. That doesn't really take any effort off of me. Yeah, I, I, I'll commit to that. Oh, wait a minute. You mean I'm going to have to get up early for this? I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to skip a meal? I'm a, I quit. I'm done. No, absolutely not. Why? Because People that, that, that can't stay focused, uh, that's our topic tonight, people that can't stay focused, they'll quit when it's not fun anymore. Whenever things aren't easy, like, man, this parenting thing's hard. Well, you're in it now, man. <laughs> Tough luck. This marriage thing, it's hard. You can't quit on marriage. Crazy? No way. You stood in front of God at a holy altar and made a solemn commitment. You don't quit on that, folks. You do not quit. Yet, in our generation of no focus, our generation of, well, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. I didn't know his feet stunk. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know she, you know, she, she didn't know the difference between fudge and chocolate fudge. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was doing marriage counseling for somebody once. And, and so, no, I'm totally serious in this. So, I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's air it out here. What's going on? The guy, he, he literally says, you know what? I've got a grown woman on my hands here that doesn't even know the difference between Spider-Man and, and Batman. I'm like, what? She has no respect for my comic books, none whatsoever. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> We're in deeper than I thought here. And his, she was mad because he played video games all day and ate Doritos in his underwear and read comic books. Fair enough. They've got kids. He probably should help. He was mad because she didn't respect Spider-Man. I'm like, wow. Praise God they made it. Thank you, Jesus, by the grace of God. But what I'm saying is, I mean, come on. We've got to get real here. You don't just quit. When you made a commitment in front of God, you don't quit on that stuff, man. Galatians 6, 9. Galatians 6, 9. You still glad you came tonight? So you don't just jump ship when things get a little bit hard. You fix it. You don't go out and get a new one. You fix what you've got. Galatians 6, 9. Galatians 6, 9. I'll read this in the King James. Of course, that's what Paul would want. (laughs) Right, Dad? (laughs) The Apostle. (laughs) Galatians 6, 9. It says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't be weary in well-doing, because in due season you shall reap. Shall is a very 
very positive word. Shall is a very direct, direct word. It tells us that if we don't grow weary in well-doing, but I'm telling you, man, over the years I've seen a lot of people, sadly, that grew weary in well-doing. And due season didn't end up coming. And then they blamed God and said, well, you... I did it and nothing happened. I, I, and, 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 and what about this? What about that? And how come God did it? Well, they grew weary and well-doing. And due season never did come for them because they gave up. They jumped out of the boat. They, they quit. They straight up quit. And due season never did come. But you can't blame God for that. Because God's word says that if we don't grow weary and well-doing... In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. That means if you don't give up, you really will reap. It really will happen. The answer really will come. It really will happen if you don't give up. Now, we have to realize that sometimes things happen, I mean, instantly. You know, we have instant miracles, healings and stuff take place over the last few weeks. Jose's testimony was great tonight. I mean, there's been some... Great stuff where, where it happened, but sometimes you, you, you fight the fight of faith, and it takes a little while. you got to hang in there and fight for it. But I'm telling you, man, a hard-fought victory is the sweetest victory there is. I love it when I've been fighting for something, and then it comes. The breakthrough comes. The chains break, and it actually happens. That's the best, man. And I'm telling you, due season really does exist. But it only exists for people that don't quit. You know, another saying that I've heard many times is, winners never quit. And quitters never win. Winners never quit. And quitters never win. And sometimes, you know, the difference between the the winner and the loser of a contest is, the winner just had a little bit more fight in him. Just had a little bit more, you know what, I'm not giving up. I'm sticking in this. and I'm not tapping out, man. I'm staying in this thing. And the winner... If he doesn't, if he doesn't quit, he's going to win. He will win and you will win. And I know this much. Anyone who's ever been successful at something didn't get there by being a quitter. You know, you look at successful people. I'm not saying famous people. I'm saying successful people. You look at them and, and like, well, man, they just got all the breaks. They probably didn't just get all the breaks. They probably worked harder. They probably stuck in there when they felt like quitting. They probably just didn't give up. And then it happened. They had the breakthrough. But that's something for us to consider. Do you quit when you're bored with it? Eh, it's not my thing anymore. Eh, and I, I, this is getting harder. I've been praying and praying. And I just, what do you quit? And I was thinking about this. You know, being a, the Veterans Day weekend. And, you know, we celebrate the veterans this morning. But what if our founding fathers all quit when it got tough? What if old George Washington back there in 1776, what if, what if these guys, what if these guys, like, you know, they're like, you know what, we're going to declare our independence from Great Britain. We're tired of paying their stupid taxes and their tariffs. And I mean, they were, they were, they were putting it hard on our, on, on the, on the colonists. And so, you know, they're like, we're going to quit. We're going to be our own nation. But then after the first battle, this is really tough. I don't think I want to do this anymore. This is hard. No, they, they were getting their behinds kicked. But they just wouldn't quit. They were, I mean, they, you don't realize how outnumbered and how outmanned and how outpowered they were against the British Army. This is the best in the world against a bunch of guys that didn't even have a real army. They just had, you know, their own guns and weapons they had made and stuff like that. 
but they ended up beating the number one military in all the world. Why? Because they didn't quit. Because they wanted their kids to not be ruled by some other country. They wanted their kids to have freedom and their grandkids. And here we are, and I'm going to say, thank you, George Washington, for not quitting when it got really hard. Thank you for still fighting. I think it was, uh, I think my seventh great grandpa was named Eliezer Hathaway. He fought for the colonial side, for our independence. And I look back and he made it through the war and all this stuff. But like, I'm, I'm so thankful, like, thank you for not, thank you, man, for not quitting. Here I'd be sipping tea all day with a British accent. I don't want that. That's the worst, man. Thank you for America, USA. But it's because people didn't quit. And so, what's going to happen if you quit? What's going to happen if you give up and you grow weary and well-doing? You think, well, it's going to give me some, you know, get me out of this mess I'm in right now. Maybe. But what are the long-term ramifications for quitting, for giving up, for, for not, uh, for not, for not following through, uh, with the Lord on what, on what He told you to do? What are the long-term ramifications? And another guy I'm thankful that never quit is the Apostle Paul. Because, he, man, he, he had some chances. If there was anybody that had a chance to quit, it was the Apostle Paul. If there's anybody that could have said, you know what? Here I am. I come from a good background. I'm educated. I've got money. I give my life to Jesus and I get beat up every day. I give my life. To, I go out there and I preach and they throw rocks at me. I go out and I cast devils out and then they put me in prison. I go out and I do this and they kill me. Yeah. I, you know what? Here's my notice. I quit if there's anybody that could have, but he never did. And thank God he didn't, because here we are 2,000 years later, still reaping the benefits of his decision to not quit. So this is something for us to look at in our lives. Are there things that, that are distracting us? Are there things that we just can't stay focused on? What is it? You know, in our, my orientation class at Rama, Katie and I, both of us, the dean of the college at the time, he came in and one of the, the very first day he told us, and he was right, that listen, if you don't have some spine and some backbone, do not become a pastor. Do not go into ministry. Because I'm telling you right now, it is not fair. He's like, and he said this, he said, the fair is where you ride rides and look at ponies. This isn't fair. You'll give your whole life for somebody, and then in the end, they won't care. They'll stab you in the back. And I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not going there. But I'm saying, if you, if you, if you're so focused on, well, that's not fair. You might as well just quit right now, man, because life is not fair sometimes. Ministry is not fair. You pouring your guts out to somebody and them, you know, walking the other way and turning their back. That's not fair. But it does happen. It, and again, that's not a bad confession. It's just, it happens. And if you can't handle a little bit of that, you're going to be a quitter your whole life. Get over the fact that not everything's fair. And I wish more people would understand that. But we have to look out for the distractions that come our way. And number two, we can't just quit when things don't go exactly how we wanted. And then number three, you need to complete the job that Jesus gave you. Complete the job that Jesus gave you. 
And so I want to look here at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11. And again, our, our whole topic is just staying focused, man. Staying focused. We don't need to be a distracted bunch of people because whenever, whenever we, we have this ADD, whatever you want to call it, you don't get anything done, man. You don't finish anything, and that's not good. That's not healthy. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to look here at verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11. Now, this is specifically discussing the area of giving. Fine, and it's talking about giving money, but I believe it can apply to anything in our lives. So, Paul, uh, they, were, they were taking up offerings for the church in Jerusalem because they got themselves in a bad mess. They made a bad financial decision. And I uh, could go into that. But anyway, all the other churches basically needed to bail them out of doing something stupid. And so Paul's taking up an offering and the Corinthian church, I mean, they're, they're really excited. They're given a lot of money, even though they don't, a lot of them don't have that much. But this is one thing that they could really do. They were, they were big time givers. Now Paul writes this to them, 2 Corinthians 8.11. He says, now you should finish what you started. Amen. Can I get an Amen. So you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Now he's talking about giving here, but but let the eagerness you showed at the beginning of your Christian relationship. Let the eagerness you showed when you first came to the Lord. Let it be matched now by the way that you serve him. Let, remember that when you first when you first got on fire for God, how that was all you cared about? Let that happen again. Let's go back to that. And then he ends and it says, give in proportion to what you have. But I love this. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. And so basically he's saying, don't, don't leave the job half done. Finish what you started. Finish it. Complete the job. And I know this much, man. I've already experienced too much of God at this point to quit on him. There's no way in the world that I'm ever quitting on the Lord. He never quit on me. Right? I mean, he promises, he said, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the world. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never, ever will I forsake you. And I believe we need to be able to make that same promise back to him. Say, you know what, Jesus, right back at you. I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you forever, even to the end of this world, Jesus. I'll do that for you. And, and that's what we're looking for. But we can't just leave the job half done. We've got to finish, man, what, what we started with Jesus. Think about it this way. Did Noah only build half of an ark? Thing wouldn't have floated. I mean, he, he didn't build half of an ark. He built the whole thing, and it took a really long time. It took a super long time for Noah to build that ark, but he didn't give up. He didn't give up. What if, what if, what if David had only knocked Goliath down? He could have got back up, but David said, not only will I kill you, I'll cut your head off. And David actually did that. He finished the job. The job wasn't done until he was holding Goliath's head in the air. The, the job wouldn't have been finished. But David finished what he started. Think about it this way. When Jesus died for you, was it only to get you a ticket to heaven? Or was it also to provide peace and joy and salvation, redemption, restoration? Was it the whole package? Or did Jesus, like, you know what, I'm, I'm not feeling it today. Really not getting that vibe. I'm telling you right now. Not getting the vibe. We're going to do 
I'm going to die for salvation, but I've I got to limit it to that because I'm just, I can't finish this whole thing. No, Jesus went down to hell for three days and battled Satan. It says he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. Jesus did the whole enchilada. Jesus did the whole job. That's incredible. He did it, man. And you, you think that was easy? It wasn't easy, but easy things are very seldom worth very much. It's hard things. It's things that you've got to stick with that are worth it in this life. Another probably also isn't my best example, but talking about after I think about the old baseball player Pete Rose. Now, I will only use him. He's a good example in a lot of areas of life. But in this example, my dad always taught me this growing up. He gave 110% even in practice. And if you watch even old films of Pete Rose, if he got, if he got walked, he would, he would drop the bat and he would run 100 miles an hour to first base and people are like, what are you doing? You got walked. It doesn't count for, most guys drop in, they, they walk up there, you know, walk back, they do the moonwalk or whatever. They, they, they get as slow as they can to first base. They don't care. But Pete Rose is like, no man. He gave a thousand percent effort, even if it was in practice. Most guys have been, it's practice, we're here. But he was playing like it was game seven of the World Series. It was 100% every time, every day. And they called him Charlie Hustle. And, and, and I'm telling you, people, like, they didn't understand him. Why? Dude, just calm down, man. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. But to him, it was. He gave 100%. And he's the all-time hits leader. No one's ever hit more balls than Pete Rose did. But listen, it's because he put in 110% nonstop every... What if we had Christians that put up, I mean, 110 every day? Uh, it's, just, it's just choir practice, just worship practice. But you're up there, man, I'm going to get this. I'm going to give my best to the Lord right now. And you know, it's just nursery. You know, I'm going to love those babies like, like Jesus himself was sitting in here. Oh, it's just ushering. But you're here early. You're ready to pass that. I'm going to do it for Jesus today. What if... We gave 110% every day like it, like it was Easter Sunday. That's our game seven of the World Series. What if, what if we was like, it's the Christmas Eve service. That's our Super Bowl right there. Listen to me. What if you gave just a thousand percent effort every single day? You wake up for the Lord. You go to bed for the Lord. You talk to Him throughout. What if you took it that seriously? Do you think Jesus would say, oh, whoa, whoa. Calm down, man. <laughs> Don't you think you're taking this a little too seriously? <laughs> Jeez. I've never had Jesus. I've never, that's never bore witness in my spirit where Jesus said, calm, time out. You're taking this faith thing a little too extreme. You just calm down, Charlie. You just get, get it together, man. Just go, go watch some TV or something and put that Bible down, man. You need to calm down. Never happened. Because even when I give 110%, it's still not enough for what Jesus did for me. Never, I'd never be enough. I'm never going to be able to pay him back. But I sure would like to give him my best while I'm here and give, give my absolute best try. I want him to have the best of who I am. And so the last verse for tonight is this, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 7. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 6 through 7. Paul, 2 Timothy, as you may or may not know, is the last letter that Paul wrote before he was executed by the Roman government. And so here we are getting down to the very end of his final letter, the final 
communication, correspondence that we have from this wonderful man of God. Uh, and so here he is at the end of his life. He's probably in a jail cell. He knows that it's it's any day now they're going to come and pull him out of that cell and and go and and, uh, and end it. But here's one of the final things that he ever wrote. And I think it's beautiful. Second Timothy four verses six through seven. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. He wasn't in denial. He realized I'm giving my life for the Lord. I'm, I'm willing to do this. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And this is one of the most beautiful things anybody could ever say. I have remained faithful. And at the end of my life, that's what I want to be able to say. You know what, Jesus? Never became a trillionaire. And, you know, if I do, that's fine, whatever. I never, you know, I was, was never the mayor. I was never the governor. I, but that's fine. But I want to be able to say this. I have remained faithful. I never gave up on you. I never turned my back. I never walked away, Jesus. I fought the good fight. I finished the race that you gave me. I didn't finish everybody else's race. I finished my race. I remained faithful and I never quit on you, Jesus. I want that to be said. And I believe that that I mean there's just there's something in that that these were some of the last things that Paul could say. Say I gave it all, I gave it my all. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I gave it 100%. No regrets. I gave it 100%. Here I am. I finished the race and I remained faithful. And I want every single one of us to be able to say that when it's at the end of our race, at the end of our life. But that's not going to happen if we quit every time things get tough and don't go our way. That's not going to quit if we get so distracted by our phone or our games or our TVs or our whatever, or, you know, you name it. If we get so distracted every day that we can't simply finish one devotion, one Bible book, one, if, if, if you can't stay focused for that long, I highly doubt you're going to be able to say, I have remained faithful and I finished the race. And so I say all this tonight to build us up, to encourage us, to challenge us, to examine our lives, just like we did this morning on the topic of the fear of the Lord. I think it's a good time to... Uh, during as you know we're getting down to the end of the year there's only probably what like six more sundays or something left in in 2018 but i believe it's a very important time for us to start doing inventory and checking out our lives and saying something's got to go so i can get more of god in here something's got to give and what is it so stay focused and let's finish the race amen all right let's go ahead and stand up together tonight thank you for listening to this podcast For more information, visit hdwc.org.